This is The Radical Therapist, a space where we explore the intersections of collaborative therapy, philosophy, art and science and technology in a post-Freud, post-psychology world. Welcome to The Radical Therapist. This is your host, Chris Hoff, and we are now at episode number 85. And today we're talking with Carmen Ostrander about substance-assisted narrative therapy. It's something I've been quite curious about for a while and very excited to have Carmen here to really kind of share that whole process. And I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Those of you, I'm sure there are others out there that are quite curious about this work and uh, we're hearing more and more about it and seeing more and more about it. So I just think it's uh, very timely. Uh, before we get there, I want to uh, just kind of share with the audience that um, in this last week, uh, I lost my father-in-law to COVID, um, and I just wanted to publicly acknowledge him, and he was an outstanding person, John Murata, uh, and um, it was, you know, quite a loss. Um and he just was a, a, a great man, and I just wanted to publicly acknowledge him. And, um, yeah, and there's just a little bit of grieving going on over here in uh, the Radical Therapist home base. And so um, – and I also – uh, uh, to be quite honest, lost a friend to suicide. Uh, I found out an hour after my father-in-law died. So these are really hard times for everybody. Nobody's, um, I think, escaping being touched by them. Uh, not, I'm not even talking about what's going on politically here in the United States. I don't even know if we can call us united anymore. But, um, but, uh, and I just want to say that that you know that if people are struggling please check in on your people please um look after each other um you know reach out to people you haven't talked to in a while um and just um yeah uh, uh it's a hard it's hard times and, and none of us are escaping it and and some of us you know as therapists counselors social workers psychologists whatever uh are responsible for you know, showing up for people, holding space while going through these the same things. And I just want to acknowledge all of you. Um, this has been uh, quite a year. And, um, you know, this last week has uh, been a gut punch. And, you know, and it has me also um, thinking about what I'm really, really grateful for. Uh, and, um, and thinking about the global community of healers that, um, you know, through this podcast and just the work that I do and being out in the world, I've got to meet and, you know, and even Carmen, our guest today is another one of those uh, that's working in the world, um, one of those helpers and healers. And um, yeah, so, so please look out for everybody, care for each other. Um, these are hard times, uh, but you know, they're not all hard. There's other stories as we know, as maybe narrative practitioners know, uh, everything's multi-storied and even in the midst of all this, there's other stories to be found. So, okay. Thank you for, uh, letting me say that and let's get right to our guest. Um, uh, Carmen Ostrander is a community centered therapist, therapist currently based in Vancouver, 
Her low barrier independent practice provides support to artists, queer and gender gender diverse communities. Her relational and collaborative approach draws from a long history of engagement with arts, space practice, and ter- transpersonal art therapy, which welcomes non-ordinary states of consciousness as catalysts for growth and insight. Additional training in narrative therapy situates these insights and processes respectfully in the social, cultural, and political context each person brings to the relationship. Uh, Substance-assisted therapies have been an area of interest and research of hers for the last two years, originating in a harm reduction uh, approach and developing into protocols for libertary practice that center humanity, connection, and autonomy. So without further ado, let's meet Carmen. All right. Hi, Carmen. Welcome to the Radical Therapist Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. How exciting. I'm uh, excited to have you here. Uh, Looking forward to talking about this topic. I've, you know, been very quite curious about it for uh, a while now. And then to have somebody that's uh, a practicing narrative therapist and doing substance assisted therapy is just, uh, I just think it's a great opportunity for me as well as our listeners to kind of get a a closer look at this kind of practice. And so, I guess my first question for you is, how did you enter into the work of integrating plant medicines, et cetera, and other therapeutic substances in psychotherapy? I guess it really started when uh, cannabis became legalized in BC. And I noticed that the people that I was working with were uh, feeling more open about talking about the ways that they're using substances in their lives. I began exploring this idea of uh, self-medicating and um, noticing that some people were actually very skillful at it. Mm. And um, it always seemed to be a bit of a a no-no to bring that up with your therapist, Mm. what's really going on, and that it's, you know, instantly going to be framed as a substance use problem or misuse problem in some way, which I guess didn't really fit with my own um, experience, you know, particularly having worked in the arts and creative context for a long time and seen lots of different ways that people engaged with substances and in positive and constructive ways that, uh, you know, kind of really burst open the gates of creativity or connecting into flow state in ways that were actually supporting their practice. So there's always this kind of uncomfortable tension there for me also. And then as I started noticing um, psychedelic medicine gathering momentum, thought, oh, great, this is, this is a thing. How am I going to, how am I going to integrate these things um, into my practice? So I really just started, I guess, creating space for people to be able to talk openly about what they were already doing. BC has a, a very uh, deep-rooted and broad uh connection with plant medicines, uh, with psilocybin in particular. Mm. And I guess I really just started approaching it from a harm minimization perspective. Like Mm. you're already doing this. You're already going off to the forest and having shrooms with your mates Mm -hmm. and having transformative experiences. You know, are you willing to share those with me? And then from there thinking about, you know, what are those little shifts that we need to make to move from recreational to therapeutic use? What does that mean? What does that look like? How does this work? So, you know, I'm a couple of years uh, down that track now and I'm getting a little bit more of a sense of what that might look like for people. Wonderful. Um, 
I also have this uh, question about um, you come, you work from a narrative perspective, and, mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering how how have you found that narrative approach or narrative therapy useful in your work? Oh, all the good stuff, <laughs> all the good stuff we know that um, helps people. The non-pathologizing approach um, is really significant and important in the way that I work with people, but also in that not imposing of our own frameworks or ideas in this realm. You know, in particular, when we're talking about all this lovely language that floats around, you know, the liminal spaces, the numinous, the ineffable, the, you know, all the mystery that's contained in those realms. But, you know, what I am noticing as, as the process has become more formalised and as more expertise mm. is jumping into that realm that the the lexicon's kind of shrinking a little bit. Mm. Everything's starting to sound the same. Even in integration circles, I'm noticing a kind of homogenizing of language a little bit, a kind of truncating of the experience. Like if nobody knows, and nobody does, mm -hmm. your guess is as good as anybody's. Mm. So I really enjoy being able to enter into that space of going, I don't know what happened out there. You you tell me how does that fit for what what frameworks what what do you bring to this conversation your understanding is really important your yeah have have a crack yeah. it's all it's all really beneficial right now and to continue to encourage the uh, richness of language to throw in some of the narrative jargon the experience near language mm -hmm. is is really rich and important and I want to be able to to highlight and share that to contribute these other ways of describing these endlessly fascinating experiences and insights wonderful thanks you um, I guess I am curious about, and you did kind of touch on it a little bit, even in, in the commu integration community, but what are some of the challenges you're facing from like traditional mental health or wellness industries and, and how, and what are those challenges and how are you navigating them in your work? Uh, cautiously. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yes. With a great deal of trepidation is how I'm navigating it, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, it's a minefield. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are the things that I'm bumping up against? Um, what is referred to as psychedelic exceptionalism, mm. this idea that some drugs are better than others, that some substances are sacred and others are profane in some ways. Mm. I, I don't subscribe to that at all. You know, right tool for the right job. Mm. Mm. Is, is my framework with that. If you find, I mean, I feel like we are constantly tinkering with our nervous systems in different ways anyway, with whatever it is, with sugar, with caffeine. <laughs> with, so, uh, oh, hello, there it is, the go juice, yeah. the, you know, the cup of motivation in the morning. We're all doing that anyway. So I'm really interested, you know, it seems that some tools are perhaps a little more crude than others, sure, but do I want to perpetuate stigma around the way people use or experiment with those substances? Absolutely not. Mm. I'm interested in what works, mm. why and how. Mm. Yeah. Do you, maybe outside of the kind of the integration community, what are the, are you being critiqued in any way or are you... 
in <laughs> uh, not that I'm listening to. Uh, <laughs> okay, so right. I've been, uh, shall we say, flying under the radar, okay. like quite yeah. far under the radar for some time. By design, yeah. What I'm by design, yeah. yes. But what I am concerned about is that there is a jostling for position mm-hmm. in kind of different realms in these areas, and I'm I'm worried that grassroots approaches. I'm worried that, you know, people who've been working in this field, you know, in the underground for 20, 30 years uh, are not going to be heard. They're going to drop out of the picture. Mm. I'm concerned about manualised approaches that that seem very clinical also. So I just, and I wondered, you know, where are the art therapists? Where are the narrative therapists (laughs) in these conversations? I'm not seeing them. They have so much to offer and contribute, like, as this movement tries to uh, legitimise its practices, it uses a, a bunch of the old strategies mm. going, okay, what's our preferred evidence-based approach to this? Let's throw in some CBD with some entheogens and, and sorry, CBT <laughs> with some entheogens and see what happens. And it's like, oh, really? Do we have to? Yeah, you, you have me thinking about um, what I've been noticing as well is it's, you know, some of these... Uh, tools, or I don't, I don't know what the proper word is, but um, are being picked up by like the Silicon Valley, the tech yeah. tech bros, as they're called, tech bros, yeah, uh, sure. and they're you know the biohacking community. And I'm wondering yeah. what your thoughts are about that, or if you know it, it does seem there are people are trying to jump on it and manualize it in some way or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we know that those one size you know fits all approaches uh, we know who that excludes and it excludes yeah. the same communities mm-hmm. over and over again I'm worried that you know we're going to we're going to replicate a, a bunch of harms mm-hmm. um, yeah in this process of legitimacy I mean I think that camp is very interesting uh, people that are interested in performance optimization. Mm-hmm. Um, using it in that way, um, sure, I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, I just want to keep seeing um, a diverse set of approaches, a nuanced set of approaches mm-hmm. and responses. If you want to use it for, you know, stamina and um, performance enhancement, go for it. That is that is your right. If you are more centred around um personal insight or connecting with ideas of spirituality for yourself absolutely i don't think there's any one way and i think we're in a really interesting time where where we're learning so much about the different ways that these substances can be applied but i think what's underneath all of this uh, principles that are referred to as uh, cognitive liberty uh, the idea of autonomy over your own nervous system that i think is is the really exciting part for this, that we're not handing over to experts anymore to go, mm. I, I, think my, I think my disorder is a chemical imbalance. Can you, can you fix it for me? It's like, well, mm, from what I can gather, no, that it's, uh, that it's trial and error as much as anything. So why not empower yourself to conduct those trials, those trials and those errors? Wonderful. With support. With support. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I understand you work primarily with 3MMC, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about 3MMC. Sure. Yeah. So one of the main reasons I've been uh, working with that one 
is that uh, it is not an illegal substance uh, at this time. It's um, unscheduled, so I'm not uh, technically breaking the law mm-hmm. uh, by working with it, which is pretty significant mm-hmm. for me right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's a uh, 3-methylene-methylcathinone. It is in the same class of substances as uh, MDMA, mm-hmm. uh, same, same, but different. Uh, works on similar receptors to lots of psychedelics and um, what's the language? Empathogens, intactogens. Uh, and I've just found that, well, I have access to that expertise locally, which is amazing. There are some extraordinary chemists who are uh, very interested in, that have good motivations for developing no- novel compounds. And, uh, yeah, so I've been fortunate enough to focus my efforts in this area in particular. Uh, MDMA, I have quite a bit of experience with uh, recreationally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just found with 3MMC shorter duration, uh, efficacy, it's really great, and it had some slightly different qualities in that... uh, it works primarily with dopamine as opposed to serotonin, which does give it a different um, quality, uh, I found. Uh, they both go under a broad umbrella of uh, to use the, um, some of the more, well, to use the plant spirit medicine language as, as a heart medicine. Mm-hmm. So a heart opening experience, a kind of deep listening that takes place, uh, but similarly also the... Um, dismantling of fear and self-consciousness, the, the suspension of that for just a little window there uh, is really significant and beautiful and wonderful to work with. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I guess I'm wondering if you could share maybe what you're noticing, what are some of the other approaches to substance-assisted therapy? What other maybe substances people are using? Um, oh, what aren't they using? My yeah. goodness. And particularly <laughs> um, if we're talking about microdosing, which I yeah, think is yeah, a yeah. really interesting field uh, also, which I particularly love um, in its kind of anti-psychonaut uh, practices, you know, get higher, bigger doses, go mm, launch yourself out into the stratosphere. Like, I really appreciate that people are oriented around these kind of very subtle shifts and changes. So I guess I'm kind of working more at the other end of the spectrum, like what is the smallest amount of a substance that we need for a perceptual shift to happen? Mm. And I think there's something just in that practice of really paying attention to subtle shifts like that, a kind of awareness building practice anyway that uh, I think is really helpful and useful uh, regardless of the substance. Mm. In terms of fundamental approaches, I I guess I can kind of split it into three Mm. um, psychedelic approaches which seem to rely on this idea that you have an internal healer or internal wisdom that you're able to key into through those substances. And that is very much about the therapist, um, I guess, inhabiting more of a kind of sitter role with that. The, um, so those ideas about holding space or creating a container and then just kind of getting out the way. Mm. 
letting the person go into exploring their own vast interior landscape or connecting with other realms. Uh, I don't tend to work that way. I tend to work more with an approach that's uh, loosely referred to as a psycholytic approach where I am very much engaged with the person. It's the narrative part of me. Mm. Like, I want to talk. I want to get in there. I want to ask you questions. I want to do stuff. I want to explore that relational quality. And why I've gravitated to that is because, you know, there's a kind of, I think what some people refer to as spiritual bypassing mm. or this kind of hyper-individualism mm. that happens sometimes with those more psychedelic approaches. What I'm hoping to see is that we're able to use these substances to, to build connection, to support community. So why not start in the room with me? You're not going to travel very far when you first start working with me. You're going to learn to be comfortable with yourself, with your thoughts, with another person in the room, with a way of kind of moving or expressing or inhabiting yourself a little bit differently, getting to know a different side or aspect of yourself that isn't normally there just, just for a minute, just, to, just so you have a sense of what's, what's possible for yourself when you are not ruled by things like fear, self-consciousness, anxiety. We can suspend them for just a minute and you can go, oh, is that me? Is that it? Like, yes, it is. It wasn't a spirit. It wasn't a plant. It wasn't, it's you. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, oh, and then, yeah, yes, third the, one, third, the, third one. the third version of that is those kind of ceremonial or more spiritually oriented um, practices, which uh, I steer pretty clear of at this stage. Do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, is there a reason or can I ask you about that? Or Yeah, cultural appropriation. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm sidestepping. I'm giving that a wide berth um, at the moment. I, I still have a bit to figure out there myself. Sure. I also feel like in my own um, experiments with some of the plant medicines that, yeah, they do. They have their own agenda. Hmm. They have a mind of their own going on. Hmm. Um, I don't feel comfortable yet leading people through something uh, or into something where I've, I've no idea what's going to happen. I might come in with a plan. You might come in with a plan. Psilocybin might have a whole other plan <laughs> for us. <laughs> you know, those ideas of those sorts of trickster energies or mm. like, mm, while I am feeling my way through, it would be helpful <laughs> if I have some sense of the parameters or the shape or the range of responses uh, to the substance. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Okay, and you, as I understand it, integrate a lot of art in your work, and I'm wondering how do you integrate art practices in this work? Mm -hmm. So I did a little bit of training in transpersonal art therapy and kind of put that to the side uh, for a little while when I got, you know, all enamoured with narrative ideas, Mm. as as you do. Okay, how do I start knitting these things back together? And then it kind of... It was kind of obvious, really, that um, any kind of art-making practice is is a giant form of externalising. So I've just sort of expanded that in this work um, in the ways that we might externalise problems in the room. 
And I've done that by doing things like um, creating different zones in space. So this kind of physical, relational, externalising process. We might put a hard thing in a box and walk away from it and approach and walk away from as many times as, as we need to. We might, you know, create another zone that's our little cosy or safe, safe zone that we can continue to return to if things become, you know, tricky in the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, art therapy actually marries so well with all of these practices, you know, particularly if, you know, the substance is working with you in a particular way where maybe words are failing you like that's fine we don't need them we have sounds we have gestures we we have marks we can make we have objects we can move around in the room into different configurations that mean things things that feel harmonious or discordant we warn if we're really going for it we can we can smash things we can destroy things we can create things we can yeah, we can work with those impulses before we you know, funnel them down into just the right words. Wonderful. Okay, and um, and maybe this question um, is a. I guess a, I, your work is critical of like the hero's journey discourse, and I'm wondering, you know, which is part of that. Maybe taking a trip, you know, and what happens on that trip. And I, I guess I'm wondering, can you say more about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I guess what I'm most critical of is its dominance Mm. in these realms. And, you know, as we know, when a discourse becomes so dominant and prevalent, it it leaves the door wide open for failure narratives. Mm. I'm not doing this right. I didn't have an ego death. I didn't get there. I didn't have that huge cathartic moment I didn't get my money's worth or, or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the transformative silver bullet. And, you know, the problems for me in the hero's journey is that it sets up that that's, that's the best kind of journey to have. Mm. There are other journeys. There are other ways to explore landscapes that are mm, less colonial sounding <laughs> and, again, less individualised. You know, the hero goes, you know, bugger my responsibilities. I'm off on my quest. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and conquer these new lands and capture some piece of knowledge that's not available to anybody else. And then I go, oh, I've got it. And then I'm going to return back and everyone's going to celebrate me as a hero with this thing that I, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, does it have to be that way? No, no. There are... There are other ways to journey. There are, you know, what happens to to delight, to play, to different kinds of exploration, to going at your own pace, to, I guess, more collective approaches, to other people participating in what's unfolding for you. Mm. And I guess also with the hero's journey that it's centred around the conquering of fear. Some people have good reasons to be afraid and I don't want to participate in going, well, you're just not brave enough to conquer your fears right now. What about being able to kind of chip away at the edges of things? What about your right to come as close to as you can and walk away again, which, you know, we're actually enacting in physical space. Yeah. Mm, that's great. Okay. Um, 
Maybe I have two questions. I'm going to combine two questions, but I guess both of them are, how do you attend to safety in this work? And maybe what is kind of pre-negotiated in the work and, and what might exclude somebody from participating in your work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I work backwards. So I borrowed the uh, exclusion criteria from MAPS and they were very generous and, and open. And I know that a lot of the larger institutions that are research-oriented, like they have a big buffer zone in place in terms of the kind of participants that they're looking for at the moment. Um, so anyone who's using any kind of medication, in particular SSRIs, is excluded. Anyone with um, any kind of heart-related uh, conditions or high blood pressure is excluded. They've been um, excluding people with bipolar, which they're, you know, starting to reconsider as well. Anyone that has any history of um, psychotic breaks. Um, Yeah, so it's a pretty wide buffer at this point. And, you know, for my own confidence and safety, I've followed that. Mm -hmm. But as I continue on through one of the important criteria for me that makes me feel safe and comfortable um, about guiding people into this is, um, oh, I don't know why I'm saying guide. I don't <laughs> refer to myself as a guide, mm. actually, um, is does the person have a history of engaging with different kinds of substances? Mm. This is where, you know, for myself, I never think, I never thought this was a, a strength um, or or something that would qualify someone uh, to do this kind of work. It's like, okay, if you've... Oh, is swearing, is the vernacular you, welcome? You, swearing's okay here. Okay, okay great. I'm Australian. <laughs> I find it very difficult not to. I can, yeah, right. but this is right there. Yeah. If you have taken a fuckload of substances <laughs> in your time and you have taken them in sacred and profane context, that qualifies you to have a go at this. I know that you have a sense of the robustness of your own system. I know that you know how to get yourself out of trouble if things are not going great. I can help you with that. But all of these things inspire a huge amount of confidence um, in me. So I'm particularly careful with novice or naive Mm. substance users and, you know, really do look very carefully at that broader buffer. And in working with people that way, we come back to this principle of, how about you decide what an appropriate dosage sounds like mm. for you? Mm. You may have, you know, come to this or come to me with this idea that you're going to do this hero's dose practice and conquer all your fears. And I can see, you know, people look absolutely terrified of that. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Would you like to start with a very small dose just so you get to kind of try it on for size? Just see how you like it and then respond and let me know what you think you need next. So the conversations around dosage, around, you know, the pacing between visits, you know, the the time that you take to integrate, to to digest and metabolise what's come up, none of that's up to me. I really want to be able to create space for people to go at their own pace and do what they're comfortable with. I don't know where their edges are. So all I can do is is lay out that there are as many options available to you as I can think of. What what do you want to try first? Mm. 
So, yeah, and one of the things that I found is really important to negotiate, um, so this came from Michael Pollan's book, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this idea of radical suggestibility that in in the peak of the experience that you are wide open to suggestion. And, you know, that jumped out for me immediately. There isn't a lot of talk about that that window in the literature is like, ooh, there's a chance to exercise power in a way that's not cool, power and influence. Mm-hmm. So I thought, ooh, what am I going to do about that? How do I? I thought, ooh, duh, <laughs> um, ask them. Mm-hmm. Hey, there is going to be a point <laughs> in this experience where you are very open to suggestion. And I asked the question a few times, what is it that would be most useful to suggest to you? in that moment so I negotiate that without the influence of substances but I also re-ask the question um, if it's possible you know early on in that session as well before we hit that kind of peak that's wonderful yeah Um, I guess um, for our audience can you share about how the process is structured or if somebody was going to participate in this, what might it look like? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So preparatory conversations, really important. Right. Again, I don't determine readiness. You do. So that's as many or as few, at least a couple, um, conversations as you feel you need uh, to enter into it. And, again, that might be dependent on what you decide is the appropriate dosage. Yeah, a couple of preparatory conversations and then there's a main event which uh, happens over about five hours. Mm. Um, We spend the day together basically Um, and I try to incorporate a community of care approach around this. So um, generally there will be a, a support person that arrives and that comes in at the end of the session to kind of see what we're up to and what's happened and to escort that person home and offer to be with them um, for the afternoon as required. Some people feel like super chatty and like they want to connect, um, so that person needs to be up for that or equally they might just want to spend some time alone with their thoughts. So I work with that person to go, you know, please be respectful of this person's wishes and make sure that they're settled in okay. Um, and then there are uh, integration conversations that follow up. So I check in a couple of days later. Um, I ask people to make as many notes of the experience as possible. So I don't do too much in terms of um, interfering or shaping with the material um, close to the event. All we're trying to do is capture what was generated. Like we we stirred up a bunch of stuff. Um, I understand the uh, younger people working with these substances uh, refer to 3MMC as 3M, um, like the post-it note, (laughs) because they describe that the experience is like, you know, all these little fragments come up, all these little interesting note to self, note to self, note to self. And I feel like, you know, my job in the process is to capture as much of that as possible because sometimes, um, particularly with bigger doses, and this happens with MDMA as well, it's kind of blurry or or dreamlike and be hard to kind of capture. So all I do is capture as much of that as possible. I ask the other person to do that and when they go home, just write it all out. We don't have to worry about the sense-making or meaning-making, you know, um, to use a metaphor, perhaps we would... uh, 
I think this comes from Francoise Borzat's work, actually, uh, the needle and thread of your intention mm. and pull that through all of those little pieces that came up and we knit that together into, into something constructive that you can incorporate into your life. Mm. Wonderful. Um, my final question for you is, um, and I ask it of everybody, but uh, what ideas or books or whatever might be capturing your attention at this moment? What, what are you excited about these days? It's a fine line between excited and overwhelmed. <laughs> there's so much information uh, out there at the moment. And I guess I'm kind of taking as much of a uh, cross-disciplinary approach mm -hmm. as possible, looking for the threads and connections of these different ideas and how they can feed into the work. Um, I'm a person that has, you know, like the stack of books next to the bed and read bits of different things at different times. Uh, in that stack at the moment, uh, I'm having a look at James Nestor's uh, book about breathwork hmm. where um, he's looked at a whole bunch of different um, disciplines and approaches to breathwork. Uh, I did um, make time for some fiction, which was yeah, great yeah. <laughs> um, uh, over the break. I've been reading uh, Love After the End, mm. which is um, an anthology of two-spirit and indigiqueer speculative fiction. Really enjoying that. Mm. And a little bit of um, a book called The Biology of Desire, uh, Mark Lewis. Mm. Uh, why addiction is not a disease and looking particularly uh, at the role that dopamine uh, plays. So this has been really helpful to refer to. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Actually, this is my last question. Uh, th those that are interested in your work and want to reach out to you or how, how do people find out, find you or find out about your work, that kind of thing? Oh, <laughs> this is that, you know, hovering at the uh, under, over the oh, yeah, radar right, right. Uh, piece right Well, you now. can stay anonymous. <laughs> what you, not anymore, but yeah. I'm around. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I do have a website. Okay. Um, so my independent practice is Square Peg Therapy. Um, I think my website is just under my name, carmenostrander.com. People are reaching out and um, in particular I'm starting to hear from other narrative therapists, okay. which I'm, I'm really thrilled about, mm -hmm. um, that are that perhaps are similar to me, that have also come from creative backgrounds and realising that our history of different kinds of substance use is actually really valuable uh, in these realms and talking more and more about what kind of skills and competencies uh, we bring inherently to this kind of work that we want to be able to share and develop with other people. That's great. Okay. Well, Carmen, thank you very much. Um, thank you for having the, the, me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And this is, you know, I've been very curious about the work and it was wonderful. Uh, you want to have a go? Connect you with have you. A go? <laughs> 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 I actually have a robust experience, quite honestly. So, uh, but more more on that later. But uh, uh, but I was very curious. Sorry, but not sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> it's okay. <there>. Yeah. <laughs>
but thank you very much. And I know a lot. I know I'm not the only one very curious about this work. And so, um, so thank you for making the time and sharing your experience and and all of that. And um, yeah, thanks. A pleasure. Thanks. All right, that's our show. And as always, thanks for listening. And if you could do us a favor and rate and review the show wherever you might be listening or on iTunes, that would much be be helpful. And of course, come seek us out on all the social medias, uh, Instagram at The Radical Therapist, uh, Facebook at The Radical Therapist, Twitter at The Rad Therapist, and just kind of connect with us in the community. And we would very much appreciate that. And you can always shoot me an email if you have any questions at theradicaltherapist at gmail.com. And please uh, share this or any of the other podcasts with somebody you think uh, that it might be helpful for. So, uh, and as always, I'm Dr. Chris Hoff, and this has been The Radical Therapist. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>